know he has praised my Savior all the day long, all the day long. Thank you all once again for joining us. My advice is Tafumbi Shokoya, who is now in the virtual studio to say the opening prayer. Tafumbi, if you're available, please say the opening prayer. Thank you, sir. Good evening, everyone. Good evening. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Our Father and our Lord, we give you all thanks, glory, and adoration for the privilege to gather once again. Yes. Your name will be glorified in our gathering tonight in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Ask only spirit, illuminate our hearts, O Lord. Amen. Let your words be received with the fertile ground of our heart in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. May all our deliberation, O Lord God, be sanctified by you. Amen. May we, may we have better and true understanding of who you are and who, who we are meant to be in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. We pray for others who are here to join, that you will remind them and you bring them on board quickly to share even in this gathering, in this awesome book that you have privileged us to have mm-hmm. and discuss upon in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. At the end of this gathering tonight, O oh Lord, in your name alone be glorified. Amen. That by the time we come together again tomorrow, we have better reason to rejoice. Amen. To be a partaker of this precious um privilege that you have given to us. Mm-hmm. You do not take it for granted, Lord. In your name alone be glorified. Amen. As we proceed this night in the mighty name of Jesus, we are praying. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much, Safumbi, for saying the opening prayer. And thanks to all who have just joined us now. We are gathered together to read yet another chapter in the book, Christiana's Journey. Let's uh, unmute our microphones if you're in a place where you can unmute your microphone. And let's read together the permanent memory verse for this study. If you're at gospelbearstudio.com, we're on page two of the PDF for our program tonight, page two. Are we ready? Hebrews 11, 13. Mm-hmm. These all died in faith, not having, not received, having, the promises, not having received the promises, but having mm-hmm. seen, them seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Thank you very much. Okay, let's recall that last week, we had quite profitable discussions and it, that expression now has come to be become a staple expression for me. This is something I got from Pilgrim's Progress Part 1. Profitable discussions, profitable engagement, profitable conversations. I recall that uh, last week uh, we read two chapters, uh, chapters uh, 4 and 5. We concluded chapter 3, uh, thinking, uh, talking about Mrs. Timorous and Mercy how they both went to Christina's house to dissuade her from going on the pilgrimage, how Mercy chose to go with Christiana rather than going back to the city of destruction with uh, with Mrs. Timorous. We read of how when they embarked on the journey, Mercy was anxious. She was anxious whether she would be accepted because, remember, she was not formally invited. Christiana was formally invited, but not Mercy. 
and she was anxious. But then she submitted herself to the uh, to the goodwill of of the Lord and said, although I was not formally invited, but I will go to the gate and I will see what would happen. And when they got to the gate, as they approached the gate, they started discussing among themselves who should knock at the gate. They settled on Christiana knocking. When they got to the gate, Christiana knocked. The door was open to Christiana after she had knocked a number of times. But even as they were knocking, there was a dog barking nearby. They almost gave up the knocking. Uh, they, they, they were afraid of the dog. They were also afraid of displacing the owner of the gate, the man, the lord of the way. So they summoned courage and Christiana continued knocking. Christiana was admitted and her children, but not mercy. So it appeared that all of mercy's affairs came through at that time. And then she started knocking fiercely. She was knocking. At the same time, Christiana was interceding for her. And thankfully, the door was finally opened to her. And she was admitted uh, into the narrow gate, the wicked gate. And uh, they were warmly welcomed by the Lord of the way. At some point, they raised a very important question, both uh, Christiana, Mercy, and the boys. The question was, well, uh, dear Lord of the way, why do you have a dog there, that fierce dog, barking and attempting to dissuade people from going, uh, from, from approaching the wicked gate? And the Lord of the way explained to them, look, that dog does not belong to me. It belongs to the enemy. And the enemy has sent that dog to dissuade people from coming near the gate. But you know what? I always offer timely help. That's what the Lord of the way explained to them. That he would offer to pilgrims approaching the wicked gate timely help and deliverance from that dog. And indeed, immediately the Lord of the way spoke that dog ran away he ran away according to this author said the, the dog ran away to to harass some other pilgrims to harass some other pilgrims and from that we took uh, courage uh, that although there may be doubts and fears on the way to the lord whenever we are trying to approach the lord we must we must bear in mind that they are just mere barkings mere barkings of of a toothless dog a dog that cannot do any harm to to the pilgrim so today, let's continue our reading. Now, the the pilgrims, Christiana, Mercy, and Christiana's boys, uh, they've left the house of the Lord of the Way. They are now continuing their pilgrimage. They will soon arrive at the house of the interpreter. Remember, that's of the interpreter from Pilgrim's Progress Part 1. But we are going to find new experiences in this place today. But even before they got to the house, they had some experiences that we need to to reflect on. So, Sister Domi, you are still reading tonight, and as we continue, we are broken this into so many parts, but we're going to read and then discuss. I invite you all to pay attention to almost every paragraph. What you're going to find about Christina's journey is that it is not as elaborate in terms of length compared to Pilgrim's Progress Part 1 in terms of the length of it. So, you find that uh, so many things are put into few paragraphs, so one has to pay attention. So please pay attention. I'll be asking the class and everyone at gospelbestudio.com as well. You can always join us by tapping the WhatsApp widget. I'll be asking you what lessons you can draw from uh, from uh, each part of the of the reading. So if you are ready, we are starting on page two, Journey to the House of the Interpreter. Sister D., Good evening, sir. Good, Good evening, everyone. Good evening. 
Journey to the House of the Interpreter. I saw in my dream that they went on their way and even the weather was comfortable for them. Then Christina began to sing, blessed be the day that I began a pilgrim for to be and blessed also be the man that he thereto moved me. This true, twas long ere I began to seek to live forever, but now I run fast as I can. Tis better late than never. A tears to joy, a fears to faith, a tone as we see, thus our beginning, as one said, shows what our hand will be. My sons, you transgressed. Now there was on the other side of the wall that fenced in the way, along which Christiana and her company were to go. A garden, and that garden belonged to the owner of the barking dog, of whom mentioned was made before. And some of the fruit tree that grew in that garden shot their branches over the wall. And being ripe, those that found them gathered them up and ate them to their harm. So, Christiana's boys, as the boys were liable to do, being pleased with the trees and with the fruits that hung down, picked them and began to eat. Their mother also reproved them for doing that, but still the boys carried on. Christiana, well, my sons, you transgressed, for that fruit is none of ours. But she did not know that the fruit belonged to the enemy. I'll warrant if she had, she would have been ready to die of fear, the ugly ones. But that passed, and they went on their way. Now, by the time they had gone about two bow shots from the place that led them into the way, they saw two very ugly ones coming down to meet them. With that, Christiana and Mercy, a friend, covered themselves with their veils so, and so kept on their journey. The children also went on before, so that at last they came together. Then the two that came down to meet them came up, up to the women as if they would embrace them. But Christiana said, stand back or go peaceably as you will. Yet these two, as if they were deaf, paid no attention to Christiana's words, but began to lay hands on them. At that, Christiana, getting very angry, kicked at one with her feet. Mercy also, as well as she could, did what she could to bitter them. Christiana again said to them, Christiana, stand away and be gone, for we have no money to lose being pilgrims, as you see, and living on the charity of our friends, one of the ugly ones. We make no assault on you for money, but I've come out to tell you that if you will but grant one small favor which we ask, we will make women of you forever. 
Now, Christiana, knowing what they meant, made this answer again. Christiana, we will neither hear nor pay attention nor yield to what you are asking. We are in a haste and cannot stay. Our business is a business of life and death. So again, she and her companion made a fresh attempt to go past them, but they hindered them on their way. One of the ugly ones. We intend no harm to your lives. It is something else we want you to do. Christiana, yes, you would have us body and soul. And I know it is for that you have come. But we will die rather on the spot than to suffer ourselves to be brought into such snares as shall risk our well-being in the future. And with that, they both shrieked out and cried, Mother, mother, and so put themselves under those laws that are provided for the protection of women. Should I continue with the scripture? Yes, please. Scripture. But if a man finds a betrothed young woman in the countryside, and the man forces her and lies with her, then only the man who lay with her shall die. But you shall do nothing to the young woman. There is in the young woman no sin deserving of death. For just as when a man rises against his neighbor and kills him, even so is the matter. For he found her in the countryside, and the betrothed young woman cried out. But there was no one to save her. Deuteronomy 22, verse 25 to 27. But the men still made their approach to them with a desire to overcome against them. They therefore cried out again, Now they being, as I said, not far from the gates to which they had come, their voice was heard from where they were. Therefore, some of the house came out and knowing that it was Christiana's voice, they made haste to our relief. But by the time they were within sight of them, the women were in a very great scuffle. The children also stood crying by. Then he that came to for their relief called out to the ruffians, saying, What are you up to? Would you make my Lord's people transgress? He also attempted to hold them, but they made their escape over the wall into the garden of the man to whom the great dog belonged. So the dog became their protector. This reliever then came up to the women and asked them how they were. So they answered, we thank you, praise, pretty well, only we have been somewhat frightened. We thank you also for coming to us to help us. Otherwise, we might have been overcome. So after a few more words, this reliever said as follows. Reliever, I marveled much when you were entertained at the gate above, seeing you knew that you were only weak women and that you have not asked the Lord for a conductor, then you might have avoided these troubles and dangers. 
for he would have granted you one. Christiana, alas, we were so taken up with our present blessing that we forgot the dangers to come. Besides, who would have thought that so near the king's palace there looked such evil characters? Indeed, it had been well for us. For us, had we asked our Lord for a conductor. And since our Lord knew it, would be for our prophet. I wonder why he didn't send one along with us. Reliever, it is not always necessary to grant things not asked for, for by so doing, they become of little value. But when the lack of something is felt, it then comes under. In the eyes of the one that feels it, that estimates which is properly due, and so, consequently, it will, in the future, prove useful. Had my Lord granted you a conductor, you would not have bewailed that oversight of yours in not asking for one, as now you have, you have need. All things work for good and tend to make you more weary. Christiana, Shall we go back again to my Lord, confess our folly, and ask for one? Reliever, your confession of your folly, I will present with him. You need not go back again, for in all places where you come, you will find no lack at all. For in every one of my Lord's lodgings, which he has prepared for the Reception of his pilgrims, there is sufficient to provide them against all evil attempts. But as I said, it can be asked by them to do it for them. And this is a poor thing that is not worth asking for. Scripture, thus says the Lord God, I will also let the house of Israel inquire of me to do this for them. I would increase their men like a flock. Ezekiel 36, verse 37. When he had said this, he went back to his place, and the pilgrims went on their way. Mercy, what a sudden blank is here. I thought that we were past all danger, and that we should never see sorrow anymore. Christiana, your innocence, my sister, may excuse you, but as for me, my fault is so much the greater in that I saw this danger before I came out of the doors and yet did not provide for it when provision might have been had. I am much to be blamed. Mercy, how did you know this before you came from home? Please explain this riddle to me. Christiana, of course, I will tell you. Before I set foot out of doors, one night I lay in my bed. I had a dream about this, for I thought I saw two men, not like this as ever any in the world would see, stand at the foot of my bed, plotting how they might prevent my salvation. I will tell you their, their very words. They said, it was when I was in my troubles. What shall we do to this what shall we do with this woman? For she cries out, waking and is sleeping, 
for forgiveness. If she is allowed to go on as she begins, we shall lose her as we lost our husband. This, you know, might have put me on guard and have provided when provision might have been, might have been had. Mercy, well, as by this neglect, we have an occasion given cause to face our own imperfections. So our Lord has taken occasion to take manifest the riches of his grace. For he, as we see, has followed us with unasked for kindness and has delivered us from their hands who were stronger than we by his mere good pleasure. Now when they had talked a little more, they drew near to a house which stood in the way, which house was built for the relief of pilgrims, as you will find more fully related in the first part of these records of the pilgrims' progress. Okay, thank you very much. So, Demi, thank you for reading so, so beautifully. So, we have an account here at the beginning of this edition of Christina's progress that has been uh, arranged as chapter 6. First, we, we, we read of Christiana singing, and, and that should remind us of Christian writing Pilgrim's Progress Part 1. Christian would always break into songs at every uh, momentous occasion, and when they left the place of the Lord of the Way, Christiana uh, began to sing. And what a beautiful song she sang, saying, Blessed be the day I began to be a pilgrim. Blessed be the man who moved me to be a pilgrim. It was long before I began, but now I'm running as fast as I can. It is better late than never. And of course, there, there is so much truth in that. And the important thing is for people to come to the pilgrim way. Yes, it is true. It is, it is instructive. It is profitable uh, to remember the Lord in the days of one's youth. But it is much more profitable to remember him and to be on the, to be on the pilgrim way. And Christina sang, saying, It is better late than never. Our tears to joy, our fears to faith. And that's our prayer as well, that that will be our own portion. But now let's look at that first part as we are going to go through this text. So uh, if you are at gospelbearsradio.com, we are on page three now. Uh, and I want to ask you, while we were reading this, what came to your mind? What do you think the, those fruits represent uh, when the when Christiana's boys, uh, they saw pleasing fruits and they picked them and began to eat them? On page three, so Christiana's boys, as boys are liable to do, being pleased with the trees and with the fruit that hung down, they picked them and began to eat. Their mother also reproved them, but still the boys carried on. The, the mother said to them, my sons, you transgress. Why did she say that? Why did she stop them from eating those fruits? And do you think she did enough to stop them from eating it? I mean, you're going to find in the paragraph describing the fruits there, uh, saying something about where the fruits came from. But it would appear that even Mercy, even Christina did not, did not fully understand uh, the nature of the fruits at that time or where they came from. But she, there was a reason she gave for reproving, the, for reproving our, our boys from eating those fruits. She said, my sons, you transgress. You transgress. Uh, I mean, what do you think those fruits represent? And... 
what reason did Christina give for reproving her sons for exhorting them not to eat the fruits? And did she do enough, in your in your own opinion, to stop them from from eating those fruits? If you're at gospelbestery.com, please just you can join us on WhatsApp. Just tap that WhatsApp widget and send in your contribution. You can attempt to answer these questions. My sons, you transgress. It's very important for us to pay attention here. We are going to we are going to come across this much later on in the story. The matter of the fruits here. So, what do you think the fruits represent here? You can scroll to page three if you are gospelbestory.com to page three of that PDF, and then you're going to find some context there. Because immediately they left the house, immediately they left uh, the place of the Lord of the Way, who then said they remember that last last week we concluded at the point where the Lord of the Way fed them and set them on their way. Now we read that there was on the other side of the way, they found a tree and some fruits on the tree. And the boys, as boys are liable to do, picked the fruits and began to eat. So uh, what do you think the fruit represent? What reason did Christiana, their mom, what, is, what reason did she give for reproving them for, for eating the fruits? And do you think she did enough to stop them from eating from eating those fruits. As you know, this book is uh, a book of symbols, and I mean, usually you don't find uh, a wrong or right answer. You just find an answer that, that that aligns as closely as possible with biblical interpretation. So, what do you think the fruits represent? What do you, what do you think the fruits represent? Do you think uh, that Christiana? What reason did Christiana give for? Uh, for stopping, uh, for reproving them, reproving the boys from eating the fruits, and uh, did she do enough to stop them from eating the fruits? As I said earlier, we're still going to find uh, ramifications for this uh, in in latter part of this, in, in in some other part of this of this text of this book of Christiana's journey. I mean, very clearly, if you look at what Christina said, they said, my sons, you transgress, for the fruit is none of ours. It's none of ours. So you see that uh, Christina stopped them from eating the fruit because, well, it was not theirs. They did not buy it. They were not given. And they did not take permission uh, to, to take the fruits. So you see that at this point, uh, Christina considered those fruits as merely uh, something belonging to another person and that the boys did not take excuse before eating them. I mean, as a matter of of uh, being polite, uh, you don't you do not want to take even if the fruits appear uh, available to everybody. You don't want to just take it without asking for permission. I think that is the level at which, or rather, from which Christiana viewed the matter at that time, and said, "You transgress." Uh, transgression would basically mean. Oh, you are, you are in error. You have done something wrong. You transgress. That fruit is none of ours. You ought to have asked permission for it uh, before you take it. But uh, the boys did not ask permission. They just took the fruit and they ate it. So we can now look at the, the, the concluding paragraph under that head. And it says, But she did not know that the fruit belonged to the enemy. And the author here says, I'll warrant, meaning that I, I, I will... Uh, I can assure you that if she had known that the fruit belonged to the enemy, she would have been ready to die out of fear. I think at this point, we have a subtle introduction to 
the uh, naivety of a new Christian about the real horrors of sin, about the real horrors of sin. Of course, those fruits represent sin. Represent sin, as we read from the opening paragraph, says the fruits that grew in that garden. The garden belonged to the owner of the barking dog. And last week, we already identified that the owner of the barking dog is the devil who wants to dissuade uh, pilgrims from going through the narrow gate. Uh, the fruits, they grew in the garden of the owner of the barking dog. And then some of their branches shoot over the wall. And they look so ripe, so beautiful that the boys took them. Uh, Christina was right in stopping the boys. But the reason she gave for stopping the boys uh, was that, look, the fruits do not belong to us. They belong to somebody else. You have not taken permission for it. And the, the author uh, has given commentary that if she knew that the fruit belonged to the enemy, she would have been more fearful. She would have been, she, she would have been angrier. She would have, she would have done more to stop our boys from eating those fruits. As I said earlier on, uh, in the latter part of this book, uh, shortly after this this chapter, we are going to still uh, encounter this story again and what uh, consequences the boys had to face as a result of eating those food. But this is an introduction to how uh, a new Christian can sometimes be very, very naive about the consequences of sin. Uh, something that uh, she knew grew from that garden but just felt it was just a matter of, oh, you didn't take excuse. She did not take it as a matter of, of life and death. And sin is indeed a matter of life and death. Of course, this is this is a theme that will be developed later on when we come to to other parts of this of this book. Now let's talk about the ugly ones. The ugly ones here. Who are these ugly ones? Who would you say these ugly ones represent? The ugly ones. Remember the circumstances are leading to this. Uh, as they continued on their way, they met those two men. And and of, and of course, because this this is a book about women going on pilgrimage, so it is understandable that uh, John Boyan has used imageries like this. This is clearly the imagery of uh, two wicked men uh, trying to to rape to to rape the two women, to rape Christiana and Mercy. Uh, to have non-consensual uh, sexual intercourse with them. But of course, it's, it, it is symbolic of, of something else. What do you think this symbolizes? Uh, given what we have read and given the interpretation that the reliever has given and uh, what is the overarching lesson there? Uh, the, the two men, they saw them. Uh, and we need to pay attention to many of these things. You see, when they saw them from a distance... What did they do? What did they first do? Christian and Mercy. He said they covered themselves with their veils. Did you see that? He said with that, Christian and Mercy and her friend covered themselves with their veils and so kept on on their journey. They saw the ugly ones coming down to meet them. They covered their, themselves with their veils. What do you think we, shall, we can learn from that? But it's important for us to first determine who or what these ugly ones represent. Who or what they represent? What do they represent? Look at one of the statements by the ugly ones. One of them said, We make no assault on you for money, but we have come out to tell you that if you will but grant one small favor, which we ask, we will make women of you forever. Again, one of them said, Oh, we intend no harm to your lives. It is something else we wanted to do. And Christina said, yes, you would have us body and soul, for I know it is for that you have come. 
you will have you will have us body and soul. Of course, this man uh, on a on a literal level just wanted to have like sexual intercourse with them. But I said, no, you would have us body and soul. What do you think these ugly ones represent in the life of of a pilgrim? Is that a pilgrim who has embarked on the pilgrimage? Somebody on the pilgrimage, these ugly ones who wanted to, you know, have their way with the pilgrims. What do you think they represent in the life of a pilgrim? What do you think they represent these ugly ones? And then why do you think that Christina and Mercy covered their veils, covered themselves with their veils at the first sighting, at the first sighting of the ugly ones? The first thing they did was that, that, was that they covered themselves with their veils. Was it that they did not want the ugly ones to see them or they themselves did not want to see the ugly ones? Which one was it? And it's quite important for us to, to properly situate who the ugly ones are. It's probably, so and when they cover themselves with their veils, you will be asking yourself, is it that they did not want to be seen or they did not want the ugly ones to see them? Well, mm-hmm. okay. Let me just have to attempt. guess. Okay, <laughs> go ahead. Uh, it could be temptation okay. to sin. To sin. And... Um, Will I say idolatry? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's I, all I can think of. Yeah. I mean, very good. And you are right. You are right there. I mean, you, you are right there on the way because it will be anything, anyone uh, that is capable of derailing a Christian, anything capable of derailing a Christian would, would qualify as the ugly one. It could be temptation. Uh, that's possible to derail a Christian. It could be what, what, what the second one you, you mentioned? Idolatry. Idolatry, exactly. And idolatry is a very strong one as well. Uh, anything capable of derailing a pilgrim from the pilgrimage. And I mean, the part that that came to my mind when I was reading it was uh, the portion where uh, Jesus said, "Look, the 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 devil, the thief has come to steal." To kill and to destroy, I have come to give life. And what the ugly ones, what they uh, they wanted to do was actually to steal, to steal the precious jewel that has been given to the pilgrims to derail them from the pilgrim way. Christina said, "Stand away and be gone." But he said, "Look, we make no assault on you for money, meaning that look, we are not here really for money." We just want to grant you just want to grant us one small favor and we are going to make women of you forever. Does this not remind us of, of that scene in in Genesis 3, the fall of man, where the devil said to them, Look, I don't really want just I don't want I just want your eyes to be open. Just that your eyes to be open and then you will see clearly. So we just want to make women out of you forever. This is uh, symbolic of the way sin and the world and idolatry everything the way they tempt us to say just one small favor and then we are going to you are going to reap something you're going to reap something beautiful the subtleness of sin the uh, the deceitfulness of satan himself our lord described him as a liar and the father of lies he has been a liar from the very beginning and is the father of lies. And I think when Mercy and Christina cover their, themselves with their veils, it is instructive for us in the sense that once from a distance, 
we see the things that are capable of leading us astray. We cover our veils. We don't want to be seen by them. We don't want them to see us. I mean that they want even to look at them, or maybe they will become they will begin to to admire them. Okay, Sir MC, go ahead. Yes, and I was going to add that, you know, the way sin comes, it comes in a very easy way. Mm-hmm. Very soft, you know, very Satan tries to deceive you in a very easy way. Um in Genesis, like you mentioned, it's, it comes with half truths. Half truths, yes. Half exactly. Truth. It's never the full truth. You know, you know, when they said that, oh, we just want to make women of you. Exactly. You know, so it's not what's the big deal? It was a big deal, exactly. Yeah, it was a big deal. I just want to, you know, so as a Christian, we should be careful mm-hmm. to pray for discernment when it's coming. Run exactly. Cover your face. That was what they, did. they covered their, you know, they use their veil to cover their faces. But the prayer here is that to be able to identify sin from afar. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. So, so I mean, that's a very important point as well. That they, uh, mercy and Christ, mercy and Christiana saw the ugly ones from afar, and that's and. and that's what our Lord said, uh, be watchful and prayerful. You know, our Lord did not just say be prayerful. He said be watchful as well, be watchful and prayerful. And the watchful Christian is the person who, from a distance, can identify the ugly ones. Even from a distance, can know, mm, these are the ugly ones. I better cover my my myself with my veil so that uh, I don't even look at them. Uh, remember what uh, that person wrote? The psalmist said that uh, I've made a covenant with my eyes, you know, not to look at unworthy things and... From a distance, you're able to identify the ugly ones and cover and cover our veils. And now you see that although sin comes to us subtly, sometimes persuasively. Now these are the ugly ones. First, they came trying to persuade them. Yeah, this paragraph that CMC quoted, when one of the ugly ones said, "Just grant us one small favor, and we will make women of you forever." And that's always the first part where Satan comes in a subtle manner, uh, trying to negotiate and saying, "Look, trying to negotiate." Of course, lying because he's the father of lies and saying, "Wants more favor." And you see, this, with this small favor is for them to abandon the pilgrim way to do something that is against uh, the the will of the Lord of the way. That's not one small favor. I uh, wants to actually rob them to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And then making that false promise, but then it soon graduates from that subtle, uh, subtle plea, from that subtle uh, negotiation to what? To violence. To violence. When Christina resisted him again, I said, "Look, we will neither hear." Okay, can, can we can we can we discuss this on page four? Christina, we will neither hear nor pay attention nor yield to what you are asking. I think there's something to note here in all the expressions she she used. We will neither hear nor pay attention, nor yield to what you're asking. We are in a haste. We cannot stay. Our business is a business of life and death. So uh, in saying we we will neither hear, nor pay attention, nor yield, it will appear that she's saying the same thing, but is she actually saying the same thing here? We neither hear, nor pay attention. So it will be like uh, when when they got to them, you know, at the moment where uh, the ugly ones were negotiating with them, persuading them, and of course, this is uh, this, this is an imagery of the relationship between uh, maybe a wicked man, a sinful man, and an innocent woman, and and, and it's the same way. All of us, uh, we can understand that where a man with bad intentions approaches a lady and says to her, "Look, I just want to be good to you. I really like you," and 
I mean, persuading the innocent lady, you know, to uh, to trade away her chastity. Uh, this Christiana is replying by saying, well, I will neither hear nor pay attention nor yield. And even in that sense, we can say, we can interpret the use of the veil in more than one ways, uh, where you find that even uh, well-meaning, innocent maidens, ladies, would not even want to be seen by these wicked men. They cover themselves up. They don't even want to attract the attention of the ugly ones. They cover themselves up. So in the covering, you find a Christian covering himself, not wanting to see what is undesirable, what is tempting, and not also wanting them to see, not wanting to see and not wanting to be seen at the same time. Not wanting to see and not wanting to be seen. And both are both are profitable. Both are profitable. And so Christian has said, well, we, we, we are not going to hear you nor pay attention, nor yield. But, but you see, the point is the person who is not going to hear will not even pay attention because it starts from that. You first take your time to listen. You know, many people have said that in the case of Eve in the garden, that if Adam was uh, was around, maybe she would not have uh, even had any conversation with the serpent. And then that, why did she even enter into a conversation with the serpent in the first place? And, and it begins from there. At the moment you begin to say, okay, let me just hear them out. Let us hear them out. And the culture will always say to us, how can you know something is bad when you have not tasted it, when you have not engaged with it, and when you've not even heard what I have to say? How can you say it is bad? How can you say it is bad? So I love what you said there, MC, that we need discernment to be able to identify from afar, from afar, what is ugly, what is sinful, what is not of the Lord. So from afar, once you already see from afar, this is, of, this is not of the Lord, this is ugly, this is of the devil. You don't even want to hear at all. You don't want to even pay attention. Uh, talk less of yielding. So if we don't hear, we're not going to pay attention. And if you don't pay attention, we're not going to yield. I think not wanting to hear, uh, not saying that I've made a covenant with my eyes not to look at a maiden or not, not look at something on God. That's always a, a profitable thing to do. So again, we are still at the stage where, uh, the stage of persuasion. Oh, we want to make women of you, just a small favor. And Christina say, no, we're not here. We don't pay attention. We're not yield. And then he says, so again, she and her companion made a fresh attempt to go past them. They made a fresh attempt to go, but they hindered them on their way. Now you see that it's becoming more, more physical. It's becoming, uh, more, it's becoming more violent. And that's the way it develops. Satan tries. He comes to us to tempt us and says, oh, do this, persuade. And once you stand your ground, you find that, well, it becomes like that roaring lion. It becomes angry and then wants to, to assert himself. And the ugly one said, well, we intend, to, we, we intend no harm to your lives. There's something else we want you to do. Christina said, yes, I know you would want us body and soul, but we would rather die on this spot than suffer ourselves to be brought into such snares as shall risk our well-being in the future. And this is something that we should underline, uh, which we all know very well, I believe, all of us being uh, pilgrims already, that sin is such a snare. What's a snare? A snare like a net. Who can remember what happened to, to Christian? When they veered off the narrow way, they saw some pleasant land. At some point, if you remember, in Pilgrim's Progress 1, uh, they were walking, and then at some point, it became so difficult. The road was very rough, and uh, there was so much pain 
they just needed relief from their legs and then they saw a pleasant bypass bypass meadows if you remember that chapter and they they walked into the bypass meadows but you know what they fell into into a net and they could not rescue themselves and that's it sin is a snare a snare somebody walk into it and then you can't extricate yourself again and christina was right on, on spot when she said if we should give in to you, we are going to enter into a snare and we risk our well-being in the future. Okay, Sister B. Yeah. All true when we're reading. What mm. was just going on through my mind. Okay. It's just this um training that we we got. Okay. The, of how to be careful on our pilgrim's journey. So when we're, read, when we're reading, I was just re- remembering it. And it is that when you are witnessing, there's a danger that people do not perceive. And, um, you know, it's um, even though that here, um, Christiana and Mercy were going to be forced yes. into a form of sexual liaison. Mm. Um, the same thing goes for Christians who are trying to win over converts. If you are not careful, you could fall into mm. that snare. People don't think it's possible, but it's, we it were is. taught that it is very possible. And so one of the teachings that we got is that as a woman, don't go preaching to a man alone. Mm-hmm. And as a man, don't go preaching to, to a, a woman, woman alone. alone. To the point that you will be in a secluded place together. Mm. That the enemy has often used that as a way to tempt them and they fall. Mm. So you, it's always uh, um, advised that when you are going preaching to someone of the opposite sex, make sure that you are two. Exactly. <laughs> but here, it's, they were able to. But then, that's the teaching that we got, that don't think that you are, you are so, so strong. So, so strong, yes. And you are so far gone in the Lord in that the you Lord. cannot fall. Temptation it's real and it can happen to anyone exactly so be on your guard yes. I, mean, I mean thank you very much for bringing that and i i, I mean i don't want to say for, I, mean, I would have loved for uh, a member of this class to be around i know brother Lou, if he was around he would have shared an experience with us because in his church in abuja uh I've been to that church before, but it's one of the eyebrow areas of Abuja. But actually, before you go into the into the street where the church is located, there is a hotel, a notorious hotel where you know high class prostitutes uh, congregate uh, oftentimes. And he told me the story that at some point, some members of the youth fellowship went to their pastor and said, you know, the the young men, they said, look, pastor, how can we be in a church like this? And then at the entrance of our of our street, we have these prostitutes always there. Let us go there and 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 evangelize and want to go there. And pastor, yeah, there's nothing wrong in you going there, but you young men, be careful that those ladies don't uh, don't draw you into their snare. Into their snare. I mean, one may think that that's on a lighter note, but that's not to, something to be taken uh, to be taken lightly, uh, because you always have uh, the devil uh, being as devious as he is and a liar from the very beginning, always wanting to entrap to entrap Christians. Start MC. Yes, I just wanted to say that you know, sin does not come in a way that you know that is sin. You know, for for I remember a pastor. Was it Fountain of Life? Then that said that he had his office glass, so that whatever was going inside, going mm, on, exactly. 
the secretary will be able to say because you really can't say that oh i'm so strong i can resist it i can resist, I can resist it. it you know it never comes in an easy way like what's the subject one just has to be on guard and pray mm-hmm. that may we never fall into temptation that will disgrace us and then there was mm-hmm. a pattern in this book that i read when christiana was saying something I'm, I'm not totally sure i'll try and go back that temptation comes with things that you are used to things that are familiar mm-hmm. that everybody has I don't know if you recollect, you know, that temptation yeah. has a way. Is a place where you said, you have your weakness, I have mine, something like that. Is that it? Mm-hmm. Yes, you have your weakness and I have mine. Exactly. So sin will come in a place where you are weak. Mm-hmm. And no one should just say that, oh, I'm so spiritual. I'm just too strong. I can't fall. Exactly. It's just like grace. Exactly. Yeah. It, it is very good. I remember. Sorry. Go ahead, go ahead. I remember. Um, Pastor Adeboye mm. saying categorically that um, the Lord warns him never to hug a woman, mm. you know. And then um, also that um, when he's having counseling, the door must be opened and mm-hmm. there must be also somebody else there mm. until one particular day that God asked him to hug one particular woman. And after hugging the woman, the woman burst into tears. Mm. That she was just thinking of going to commit suicide. Wow. You know? So the thing is that God, uh, like, um, they were being asked that one needs to pray. You know? Uh, they had, what was his name now? Somebody came to um, advisor or something. The, re- the advisor? The reliever. The reliever, okay. Came to to them to say that they didn't ask mm-hmm. God. Exactly. That they, that, otherwise, that wouldn't have happened to them. Mm. So it's something that we need. I've said it before, and I keep saying it, that God uh, gave me a way out, which I think all of us, is a way of escape. Mm. That every day before you set out for mm. your house, pray against temptation. Mm. Do not let me be led into temptation. Exactly. And deliver me from evil. It's very, it's an important prayer mm. that we often o- overlook. overlook. Exactly. But it's very important because temptation is real. May we not fall into it. Amen. Like uh, we've said, it may not even be of this nature. It might nature. be something else. Mm-hmm. It might be money. Mm-hmm. We all have our weaknesses. It might be God knows what that mm-hmm. can be a source of temptation to us that can make us derail. Mm. might be lying. Yes. It might be put on the spot. Mm-hmm. And then you just lie. <laughs> mm-hmm. So many other, so many things that the enemy used to tempt Christians. And ours is to pray our for. Mm-hmm. For a way out of every temptation, a way of escape, a way of escape, or that we should not even, we should not. My prayer is that we should not even experience it at all, mm. if it's possible. Oh, yes, it does not lead to temptation, uh, and so I mean the point you have made. I mean that buttresses one of the major inclusions in our Lord's model prayer. And lead us not in temptation, yeah. but deliver us from evil. So it's an it's an important deliver prayer. Us from evil. And we are going to find that the, the point you just made is actually the main point of this of this part of the book. Because if you listen to everything that the reliever said to them, that's the exact point it was making. I mean, in fact, let's look at this. When how did they experience deliverance from this ugly one? Because it, it turned it turned uh, physical and. They had to to fight them physically. And it says, and with that, they both shrieked out and cried, murder, murder. And so they put themselves under the loss of those that are provided for, for the protection of women. Now, in their crying out, 
in their crying out, uh, they showed that I mean that would be that would be symbolized the spiritual warfare. They were crying out and were not just and they did not just submit to the temptation. And that's a lesson there. Even temptation comes, we are not just to keep quiet and depend on our own strength. Meaning that by our own strength we cannot conquer. So you have to cry out for help. And when a person is saying murder, murder, in a case like that, if uh, a woman is about to be raped, the woman who is crying, help, help, or rapist, rapist, the woman is not uh, just uh, crying for crying, she's crying for help. Just like the same, just like a, a person who is about to be robbed as well, or to be molested anywhere. When the person cries, help, help, or I'm robber, I'm robber, or rapist, rapist, that's calling for help. Ask for the calling for him. And I think the lesson here is to call for help. That is a hymn that says, Yield not to temptation, for yielding is sin. Ask the Savior to help you. And then he will rescue and he will save you. But even after they called, the men still made their approach to them with a desire to overcome against them. Therefore, they cried out again. And then the author here writes, saying that, because they were not far from the gate where they had come, their voice was heard from where they were. Therefore, some of the house came out, and knowing that it was Christiana's voice, I, I think this is comforting as well for us who are believers. You know, our Lord said, my sheep knows my voice, and I know them, and I know them. We also, so our Lord knows us. So when we cry out, he knows that, oh, that's one of my children in arms way. And we quickly send uh, the reliever and said they made haste to our relief. But by the time they were within sight of them, the women were in a very great scuffle. The children also stood crying by a great scuffle. And that should remind us, I think Sister B, you, you always cite this scripture that uh, we have not struggled with sin to the point of death. That's what it said. Look, none of you has resisted to the point of death, meaning that we are called to resist sin and temptation, to resist sin and temptation so fiercely with all our strength. And of course, with all the strength given to us by the Holy Spirit, uh, just continue to struggle, struggle against it because help will surely come. All the faults for I'm coming, Jesus signals still. Meaning, whatever you are fighting against by the strength of the Holy Spirit, just say, By your grace, we will. And then we keep struggling, and help will surely come. And in this case, help came for them, and the leaf called out, said, What are you up to? Would you make my lost people transgress? And you see, uh, the devil is very devious, but you see, at the, at the voice of the Lord, the devil will always, will always run away. And they heard the, the voice of the Lord's servant, and they took to their heels, and they went to that, uh, to that, to that house, the house where that dog uh, was barking from. So the river said, well, you did not ask for a conductor, when you're only weak women, let us, let's not see this as just, I mean, addressing women, but addressing pilgrims. We are all weak. Our Lord did say it. The, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Every, everyone who is still in the flesh is weak uh, in the matter of sin. Let him who thinks he stand take it, lest he fall. So you are weak people, but you did not ask your Lord for a conductor. And that's the point uh, that Sister B was making the other time, that Every morning, every moment, you, you should be asking God, Lord, keep me from temptation. 
help me to identify the ugly ones from afar. Like Sam said earlier on, that from afar, help me to identify with the ugly ones are from afar, from afar, so that I can uh, cover myself with the with the blood of Jesus. I can veil my eyes from seeing them. I can know not even to listen, not even to listen. Uh, talk less of paying attention. Talk less of being persuaded. Talk less of being persuaded by them. So you do not you don't ask for a conductor. Now, so people may ask the question: Well, if you know that there is danger on the road, that's talking to God. That there is danger on the road. Do I need to ask for a conductor? I mean, you wish me well. You want me to arrive safely. You don't want me to fall into temptation. But do I still need to ask for help? Do I still need to ask for a conductor, as the reliever said here? Uh, because that's exactly what Christina said. He said, we are so taken up with our present blessing, we forgot the dangers to come. Besides, who would have thought that so near the king's palace, there logged such evil characters? And that's the danger. The temptation is always present everywhere. Don't say, oh, we are so near, or even we are in the church. Well, I'm in the midst of godly people or fellow pilgrims. Maybe I can lower my guard. I mean, you, you must have heard stories of horrible sins taking place uh, among children of God in, in churches, in Christian fellowships, uh, between uh, brothers and sisters in the Lord. And it is not, we are not to look at them and say we're such evil people, not even to say such hypocrites. Yes, yeah, some, some people, but it is just a, it just a, it, it, it's a temptation that is, uh, that is clear and present every time. So much so that we are not to say, oh, so near the king's palace, there can be no evil. So near the king's palace, there can be no temptation. No, we have to always be, be on guard. So uh, let's look at the response of the reliever to the question of, God not granting things not asked for. Things not asked for. The liver said to them, well, you did not ask for a conductor. But Christina said, if you are with us on page on page five, Christina said, I wonder why he didn't send one along with us. That's what, the, that, that's what Christina said. He said, and since our Lord knew it would be for our profit, I wonder why he didn't send one along with us. And that's a that's quite a logical question. Uh, that's a question that not only unbelievers would ask, but some believers too. You because as we as we continue to know more of the Lord, sometimes you wonder, well, if the Lord of course knew everything from the very beginning and he knew that I would I would face this thing on this day, why did he not send uh, a conductor? Why did he not send somebody to warn me, to alert me? Or even if he alerted me, why did he not alert me even more forcefully? I would have listened. Because you recall in this story that Christina herself later on recalled that she had those dreams. I mean, do you remember? Christina herself confessed later on that, ah, true, when I was in my house, I had that dream too. A demons appeared to me in my dream saying, look, how can we stop this woman from going on the pilgrimage? We have to stop her. So she was warned at uh, the same way that we always will find that if we pay attention, the Lord wants us ahead of things to come, but we don't usually pay attention. But Christina asked this question. He said, look, since our Lord knew it would be for our profit to have a conductor on the way, I wonder why he didn't send one along with us. And then the reliever answered saying, well, it is not always necessary to grant things not asked for. Do you agree with that? That it's not always necessary to grant things not asked for. Because by so doing, those things become of little value. But when the lack of something is felt, 
it then comes under in the eyes of the one that feels it that then that person gives proper estimate to it. And so consequently, it will in the future prove useful. The deliverer said, Had my Lord granted you a conductor, you would not have bewailed that oversight of yours in not asking for one, as now you have need to do so. So all things work for good and tend to make you more wary. And I think the lesson from here, what the deliverer is basically saying is that you did not ask for a conductor. And so you are fell into this, you are falling into this problem. But now this problem has taught you the need to always ask for a conductor. So all things work for good. It is not that the Lord will let us fall. Uh, he's the one who is able to keep us from falling. Uh, but even when we fail to ask for things, it is, it is the way of our Lord to make us go through experiences that make us realize the folly of our ways or to, realize, to, to make us realize the error we have made. And from that experience, we now learn not to make those mistakes again. And that's exactly what has happened there. They did not ask for help. They just sat down and, and they said, okay, okay, we'll be on our way. They did not say, okay, as we go on the way, the way is dangerous. They want to send a conductor to help us. They did not ask. Now they met with those ugly ones who almost physically assaulted them. But the Lord has rescued them. And the reliever is now saying to them, well, by not asking for a conductor, you were almost molested by this ugly man. Now, this experience will teach you to always, to always ask for a conductor. And I love that we have already mentioned this earlier on, that it is of utmost importance for us to every day say to the Lord, please lead us not into temptation. Ask the Savior to ask for grace, the grace to, to stand firm, to identify the ugly ones from afar and the grace not to fall, not to fall into sin. Okay, any any more contributions on this? Thank you very much. I, I think we have done a perfect work on this part. This is uh, a part that we shouldn't forget. Uh, we shouldn't forget at all. And thank God that we have brought out all these important, important aspects of this. I mean, I've said this earlier, it's also important for us to pay attention to what the Lord is saying to us, sometimes in dreams. I mean, God has a way of speaking to each of us, and it is important for every Christian to understand how the Lord speaks to him, how the Lord speaks to her. Uh, it was after the fact that Christiana now recalled the dreams she had of those two ugly men trying to derail her from the pilgrim way. I mean, if she had remembered while she was speaking with the Lord of the way, do you know, she, she would have brought it up and said, look, I remember that I saw a dream, two men uh, who were adamant on derailing my pilgrimage. Please, can you help me so that if, they, if I come across them, uh, they would not be able to harm me. But she did not remember. She did not ask for help. It was after the fact uh, that she remembered. So uh, this, this should also admonish us to pay attention to how the Lord speaks to us. Okay, we can move on now to the arrival at the house of the interpreter. Uh, there are so many uh, beautiful things said at the house of the interpreter. we see how far we can go and then we continue tomorrow. Okay, Sister Domi, arrival at the house of the interpreter. Okay. Arrival at the house of the interpreter. So they drew on towards the house, the house of the interpreter. And when they came to the door, they heard a great talk in the house. Then they listened and heard. As they taught, Christina mentioned by name, for you must know that there, there went along 
even before her, talk of her and her children going on pilgrimage. And this was most pleasing to them because they had heard that she was Christian's wife, a woman who was some time ago so unwilling to hear of going on pilgrimage. Thus, therefore, they stood still and heard the good people within commending her womb. They little imagined stood at their door. At last, Christiana knocked, as she had done at the gate earlier. Now when she knocked, there came to the door a young damsel who opened the door and looked and saw two women there, the damsel. With whom would you speak in this place? Christiana, we understand that this is a privileged place for those who are pilgrims, and we at this door are such. Therefore, we pray that we may be partakers of that for which we, at this time, have come. For the day, as you see, is very far spent, and we are reluctant to go any further tonight. The damsel, please, what may I call your name that I may tell it to my Lord within? Christiana, my name is Christiana. I was the wife of a pilgrim who some years ago traveled this way, and these are his four children. This maiden also is my companion and is going on pilgrimage too. Then Innocent ran in, for that was her name, and said to those within, Innocent, can you imagine who is at the door? There is Christiana and her children and her companion, all waiting for admission here. Then they leaped for joy and went and told their master. So he came to the door and looking at her, he asked, are you Christiana whom Christian, the good man, left behind when he took a pilgrim, a pilgrim's life? Christiana, I am that woman who was so hard hearted as to slight my husband in his troubles and left him to go on his journey alone. And these are his four children. But I myself have also come, for I am convinced that no way is right but this one. The interpreter then is fulfilled what is written of the man that said to his son, Go to work today in my vineyard. And he said to his father, I will not. But afterwards repented and went. Matthew 21 verse 29. Christiana, so be it. Amen. God made it a true saying with me and grant that I may be found at the last in peace with him without spot and blameless. Interpreter, but why are you standing at the door? Come in, you daughter of Abraham. We were talking about you just now, for news has come to us before how you became a pilgrim. Come, children, come in. Come, maiden, come in. Mm. So he brought them all into the house. And when they were inside, he beat them, sit down and rest. Which, when they had done, those that attended to the pilgrims in the house came into the room to see them. And one smiled. And another smiled, and they all smiled for joy that Christiana had become a pilgrim. 
they also looked at the boys and they struck them with their hands all over their faces in token of their kind reception of them. They also did the same lovingly to mercy and bid them all welcome into the master's house. Okay, so they, okay, okay. Let's take a short pause here, and, and and isn't it so beautiful the way this has been expressed there? Mm-hmm. And one smiled, and another smiled, and they all smiled for joy that Christina had become a pilgrim. Um, what does that remind us of uh, from the Bible about people coming into repentance? Can, can you recall anything? That ever rejoices exactly. over one person that repents. Exactly. That ever rejoices over one person that repents. And then that the smile and the joy of that father, the father of the prodigal of the prodigal son, who was just overjoyed uh, at the uh, at the return of the prodigal. And, and I think one lesson for us is that, that that should be the same joy in our own heart as well when people come into the fold of Christ. The same that kind of welcome we should just be such pure joy uh, at the realization that one sinner has come has come to repentance and, and and that's so important that we should be as joyful as those in heaven on the account of people coming to repentance i mean most times we are like the brother of that prodigal uh, that we say to ourselves oh uh, this person also come where well, we, we got there before this person how can we be sure uh, this person has truly repented or how how is it fair that this person who has been such a notorious sinner is now admitted into the fold or how is it fair that this person who has been so notorious who has even acted against the church has now uh, has now been admitted into the church and is now giving such a leading role i mean the case of of Saul of Tarsus we come to mind uh, when the Lord brought him into the fold of Christ. And uh, we should just learn from this example to be as welcoming of unbelievers as, as these people here. And again, look at this. The news of, of Christ, Christiana's pilgrimage had gotten to the out of the interview. They were actually speaking about, about her. And here it says that when, when she got to the door, she actually listened. Uh, they who were in the house did not know that that Christina was already there. She listened to them. And can you imagine the joy that must fill her heart to know that, oh, they were speaking about her in such glowing terms. And, and that's the same way we must, we, we must say it. Uh, do you know the joy that will be in the heart of a, of a sinner who is coming to Christ? You know, when a person is coming to Christ newly, the person is taking, uh, is taking doubtful steps, unsure steps, and saying, look, is this the right thing for me to do? But if the person senses that, oh, the people inside there, they are most eager to welcome me, uh, they are looking forward to welcoming me, they already think, they already talking about me in glowing terms, they're already saying, look, uh, that lady has now come to faith in Christ, we're, we're going to welcome her whenever she gets here. You know, that's going to encourage people to come into the church. But when from outside, people try to listen in, and what they are hearing us say inside it's not something pleasing it's not something god glorifying or where they had oh, we're actually uh deriding them or speaking ill about them you see we are going to be dissuading them from coming to the house but in this case uh christina was overjoyed when uh, she listened in to what was being said inside that of the interpreter and she had them saying wonderful things wonderful things about her now here in the house of the interpreter we are going to find a number of of parables just like uh, we witnessed 
uh, in Pilgrim's Progress Part 1. And I'm hoping that those parables, we are going to reflect on them very deeply. We are going to take one of them tonight, the man with the mock rake. With the mock rake, we are going to read that. Just that we have this on WhatsApp. Thank you, Mommy, to join us today. This is what she has written. She said, one hymn says, Christian Mati Wasimi, Yes, and that's the Yoruba uh, version of Christian seek not yet repose. You are in the midst of foes, watch and pray. Uh, and that will speak to uh, the discussions we had uh, earlier on about those two ugly men who attempted to uh, to attack Christiana and mercy. That there is not a time when we should not be asking for the help and the grace of God. We want him as our conductor to always be with us so that we do not fall into temptation. Okay, the man with the mock rake. Let's see what we can learn from this. What's the point that the interpreter is trying to make here? Uh, please let us all pay attention to this. You know, all, everything said in the of the interpreter is always like a parable. So the man with the mock rake. But in this case, we also have an interpretation of it. Okay. The man with the mock rake. After a while, because supper was not yet ready, the interpreter took them into his significant rooms and showed them what Christian, Christiana's husband, had seen some time before. Here then they saw the man in the cage, the man and his dream, the man that caught his way through his enemies, the picture of the biggest of them all together with the rest of those things that were once so profitable to Christian. This done, and after those things had been somewhat digested by Christiana and her company, the interpreter took them aside again, took them first into a room where there was a man and that a man that could look no way but downwards with a mock rake in his hand. There stood also one over his head with a celestial crown in his hand and offered him that crown for his mock rake. But the man neither looked up nor regarded, but raked up for himself the straws, the small sticks, and the dust on the floor. Christiana, I am persuaded that I know something of the meaning of this. For there is a figure of a man of the world. Is it not, sir? Interpreter, you're right. And his mock rick shows his carnal mind. And whereas you see him rather give heed to raking up straws and sticks and the dust on the floor than to do what he says who is calling to him from above with a celestial crown in his hand. It is to show that Heaven is just a fable to some, mm. and that things here are counted the only things substantial. Now, whereas it was also shown you that the man could look no way but down, it is to let you know that earthly things, when they gain power in men's mind, quite take their hearts away from God. Christiana, all oh, deliver me from this mockery. Proverbs 30, verse 8. Interpreter, that prayer has lain by till it is almost rusty. Give me not riches. 
It is scarcely the prayer of one in 10,000. Straws and sticks and dust with most are the great things to look for now. Mm. With that, Christiana and Mercy wept and said, it is alas, too true. Too true. Mm. Thank you very much. It is alas, too true. I don't know if anybody has paid attention. <laughs> In this Christiana's, uh, Christiana's uh, journey, the word too true has been has been occurring. I mean that's just an enlightened note, but I love it too true. But but I mean look at this at this parable now told to Christiana and Mercy and her boys. Mock. What does mock mean? Mock refers to to dirt, to rubbish, to waste matter. That's mock. We know what a rake is. We know what a rake is for anybody who is familiar with gardening. Uh, a rake is that implement used in gardens to gather things, to gather things. So this is a rake for gathering dirt, for rub- gathering rubbish, gathering waste. And this is a picture of a man who could only look down. Was only looking down and just using his rake with a mock rake in his hand. He could look no way but downwards, downwards with a mock rake in his hand. But there stood one over his head with a celestial crown in his hand, offering him that crown for his mock rake. So there's one standing over his head saying, bring your mock rake and I'll give you this celestial crown. But this man could not even look up at all. The only way he could look was downwards to all this mock rake. And he kept on raking up for himself the straws, the small sticks and the dust on the floor. Very busy man. Very busy man, gathering dirt, gathering straws, gathering small sticks, gathering dust, and working, working hard. But at the same time, there was this great man uh, on top, uh, above him, offering him the celestial crown. And I do not know whether we can, whether we resonate with this picture, with this picture of the man who is only concerned with worldly things, worldly things, and. I love what uh, the interpreter said there, if we paid attention. He said, this is the man. He said, it is to show that heaven is just a fable to some, and the things here are counted as the only substantial things. And and that's something we are going to engage with uh, in the world. We are going to be tempted with that as well, that look, what matters is now. It is only the things we can touch here that uh, that matter. And then everything is just a fable. Many people will say to you that, oh, we are, you are just building castles in the sky. We need to enjoy all we can enjoy here. This is all that matters. It is, we, are, we are in the world, of course, but we must never forget that we are not of the world. And... When the Lord is saying, oh, bring the, bring the mock rake and take the celestial crown, oh, that we will listen, oh, that we will listen. Uh, the Christian has said, oh, deliver me from this mock rake. Uh, the interpreter said, yeah, the, the prayer give me not riches is scarcely the prayer of one in 10,000. That you, 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 you really find people praying that prayer. Do you remember that prayer? Uh, give me neither poverty nor riches so that I will not become rich. 
and become boastful towards you or become so poor and then fall into iniquity. But but that's a difficult prayer. Not uh, many people can pray that kind of prayer. I say, give me neither poverty nor riches because what the world teaches now is, oh, Lord, please give me the riches of this world. And any Christian who is teaching uh, that, oh, give me neither give me not riches people will say ah, are you sure you know what you are doing because it must be shown in this world that you are your father's children you must have all the wealth of this world to prove that to prove that you are your father's children i mean the i mean what's the lesson there what's the lesson there how do we balance it how do we balance it is it that we're not going to engage with with the world And what's the lesson is that we're not going to engage with the world. And it's a matter of where our affections should be set. It's actually a matter of, of affections, of where our affections should be set. Set your affections, remember? Set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. Set your affections on this on things above, not on things on the other, I, I, what are going to find? I mean, what we find with the case of the man with the mockery is that it's a man whose affection is set squarely on the things here, things here in this world, things here in this world, and those things pale into insignificance when compared with the celestial crown. And that's the reminder that we also got from Pilgrim's Progress One uh, at the at the Vanity Fair, at the Vanity Fair, uh, all those things. In this case, in the act of the we are being told now that although at Vanity Fair there were things that were so attractive, glowing, and so compelling. But now they are painted for what they truly are. They are just dirt. They are just straws and dust. And, and, and someone is saying to us, bring the mockery and I'll give you the celestial crown. And this man could not even look any way but down. I mean, it is interesting. Like This man could not even look up. Maybe he wasn't, he wasn't even aware that uh, there was that offer above him. But he was just so, so consumed by the things of this world. He was not even... Uh, ready to look up at all. Uh, I mean, this is a timely reminder, and I do pray that the Lord will help us all, so that we are not, so that the things of this world do not crowd out. They do not crowd out uh, the voice of God. Remember uh, that man who went a sowing, and some some seed fell, and you know the cares of this world and the troubles of this world, the anxiety of this world, they choked out. They choked out the seed. Uh, the seed were not able to take root. Or to germinate, and and that's what happens to a person who has a mockery who cannot look up to see that there's something much more. See, there's something much more than what we have here. Our Lord said uh, to his listeners, "said Look, the life of a man does not consist in the abundance of the things he owns." Our Lord is not saying you should not own things. Our Lord is not saying it's not going to bless us, but that the life of a man does not consist in that. Means there's something more, and blessed that they who, in addition to enjoying God's blessings here, also have God's approval. Uh, blessed that they, but you see, uh, they are the poorest who are not approved by God. They are the poorest who are not known by God, but who have everything in this world. And they are blessed who, even not having as much as they would want to have in this world, but they have treasures in heaven. Of course, and I pray that the Lord will, will lead us, grant us grace not to 
not to be preoccupied with the things that are passing. The apostle wrote saying that now that you know that all these things will pass, what sort of men, what sort of men ought you to be? Okay, tomorrow by the grace of God, we look at the spider on the wall, the spider on the wall, the case of the hen and the chickens, the butcher and the sheep, the garden of flowers and field crop, then the robin's mouth. I love this. And I look forward to us discussing this tomorrow. And I believe we are going to have more time to look at all of these parables. And then the tree with the rotten inside tomorrow. Uh, many parables told there. And then there is a closing part tomorrow uh, of the message in that of the interpreter where... Afterwards, they kept saying, no, you are more beautiful than I am. You are more beautiful than I am. And I think that's something we need to discuss and to examine whether it is something that applies to us as well. Thank you all so very much. A would valiant be. If you have any closing thoughts, just type it out on WhatsApp or in the chat room and we read it out after singing this closing hymn, To Be a Pilgrim. prayer is the Lord will grant us grace to stay true to our resolve to be pilgrims. Thank you also very much. God bless you. Thank you for giving us Colossians 3.2. Yes, it is from Colossians 3.2 that we hear the admonition to set our affections on things on things above. Abraham, we don't hear your voice today. Stafumbi, we don't hear your voice, but I know you have been a part of this and Tutu as well. And Tutu, you are reading for us tomorrow. 
uh, you we start from uh, the next uh, the next parable in the house of the interpreter. Sister Benesika, please, if you're still available, please say the closing prayer. Let us pray. Okay. Father, we thank you for yet another opportunity that has been given to us to read together Christiana's pilgrimage. We thank you for all the lessons we have learned this evening. We thank you for all that you have reminded us of. Thank you, Lord. That is important. Father, please help us to avert every form of temptation. Amen. With every temptation, your word tells us that you have a way of escape. Mm -hmm. Please, let us always recognize those, those means of escape and take it Amen. whenever temptation does come. Amen. But please, as much as it is possible, let it not come our way in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Never let us yield to any form of temptation, no matter how mild or minor it might seem. In Amen. the mighty name of Jesus, help Amen. us keep our focus on you and not be derailed in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Deliver us from evil and help us in all our ways Amen. to be truly making our way to you Amen. for eternity's sake. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Father, we are going to sleep. We ask that you protect us from every form of harm that there could be, Amen. spiritually and physically. Do not let evil befall us in any form and all our loved ones Amen. far and near. We say thank you, Father, for answered prayers. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.